From the frosty Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another icy episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks. You bet your garden. Are age-related physical issues hampering your ability to garden? Is a disability limiting the time you can spend with your tomatoes? I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and on today's show, we'll list some changes and adaptations that can benefit just about anybody who wants to work outdoors. Plus your fabulously frozen phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and nattering nabobs of negativity. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, Spiro, because it's all coming up faster than you sitting at a table and watching your garden grow right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up in the show, some important adaptions and changes you can make to continue gardening as you get older. But before we get started, I need help. Well, <laughs> you all knew that. Specifically, my intern of two years is moving on. And so I am looking for a new one. This is a lightweight work, paid position with flexible hours. You'll need your own transportation, and the closer you are to the Lehigh Valley, the better. So send a brief email to ybyg at wlvt.org to get started. Be sure and write intern in the subject line. 888-492-9444. Victor, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello, how are you, Mike? I'm just ducky, Vic. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, in Florida, and it's beautiful. And what part of Florida? I just moved in August from Fort Myers to West Palm Beach. Oh, Okay. And, all right, well, what can we do you for? I've got, uh, I said, the internet told me it's a century plant. Right. I'm, uh, it, it looks right, but mm-hmm. it is, uh, I sprayed it with Roundup trying to clear the... Oh, God, why? Um, ah. Well, it was an accident. <laughs> I had, I, I'd worked at a golf course. And we had all these cactuses yeah. that were kind of sprayed with Roundup all the time. And I just assumed that it wouldn't do anything to it as long as I didn't actually hit it. That's... Well, I did hit it. So now it looks like a, uh, a war zone. Yeah. Uh, Ra- Roundup is a non-selective broadleaf herbicide. So anything, it, any, any part of a leaf it hits it's going to stress the plant and try to kill it. Um, If you're talking about grassy weeds, it's just going to slide off of them. 
And um, are you near a water source of any kind? I mean, we got. I fixed the sprinklers like two weeks ago, so it, it works. No, no. But the the problem was. No, wait a minute, what, Vic. What do you mean, Vic? Are are you near a lake, a waterway, um, a canal, the ocean? Yeah, we're like a uh, hundred, two hundred yards from the from the canal. Okay. See, uh, you're also a federal criminal now, Vic. Isn't this exciting? Um, if you look, if you if you look on the label, uh, Roundup is not to be used in anywhere near an aquatic situation. It is deadly um, to creatures that live in the water. Okay, so now, do you? No, don't don't take the pipe yet. We'll fix this. Um, do you live or work on a golf course? Is that what you said? I used to work. I worked at a golf course in Naples. Oh, uh, okay. Forest Glen. And well, the reason I sprayed it is because it, it, those things are extremely sharp, and I didn't want to cut it. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, because cactuses take like 100 years to grow or something. I don't know. No, no. It is called the century plant because it does take a long time to flower, but more like in the range of 10 to 20 years, not, not a century. Um, common names can be um, confusing. And I understand what you're saying. The plant is, has very sharp leaves. Um, how many century plants do you have? And is this one still alive? It, it seems to be alive because uh, this happened like, I don't know, five, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's five things that look very similar to each other. and They're very sharp. Right. And no amount of gloves seems to be working. Okay. I did order some like $80 pair of gloves, but they're still in the mail. Okay. Um did you the only way to get the roundup, which is also systemic, I mean it's getting it's it's still pumping itself into the plant, you gotta water that thing over and over again and try to rinse out uh the herbicide you used. Now Okay. Is it just the one plant? Yes. And are the weeds surrounding it at the base? Because I can't see them coming out of the structure of the plant itself. Yes, it is. Uh, it's like wrapped around the bottom. That's an older picture. Uh, I don't have any pictures here. Um, what's wrapped around the bottom? It's some kind of like a vine. It's not poison ivy. It's just like a, it's, it's the weed that's everywhere in, in the garden. Okay. It, it's in the snow bush or something, Indian jasmine, it's everywhere. And I just pull them once a week. Okay. Well, uh, is your soil sandy? Very. Okay, good. So, um, and you said you've you've ordered protective gloves, like with gauntlets that... Um, right, yeah, pork or no, uh, pig leather. Okay. Or, I think. Whatever. Um, what you do is, again, you take a hose out to the plant and you saturate the area 
where the weed is. And then you just work the vine. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a vine that reroots everywhere or if it has one root system, but keep checking it out until you get to a spot where you get resistance and then get right down there and pull slowly. It would be even better if you had the water running while you're doing this and the vine will come up. And then after that, I would suggest you figure out a way to mulch the area. Um, I, you know, I hate wood mulch, but in your situation, the, um, the pine straw mulch is not going to be enough to prevent this weed coming back. But it's not, it's not inside the plant, right? Well, no, it, it kind of is because it's so big. I mean, this thing is three feet wide, and, like, it, it's huge. I mean, I've never, it's, it's impenetrable. Like, those gloves will get me a foot in, but the, the other, like, foot to get to the base of the plant, Okay. I don't know. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. The first thing I want you to do is using the gloves and a hose, pull gently and get what you can. Um, if there's little parts left behind, I know there's a, a lot of hip garden centers in your area. You want to go get an herbicide whose active ingredient is iron. Uh, iron, okay. Iron. Or you could get a spray bottle and fill it with regular white vinegar from the supermarket and just be careful to only spray it on the weed. And if you're careful and you don't overdo it, um, the vinegar should not harm the plant and the iron won't harm the plant for sure. It probably could use some iron in the soil. Okay, but no more no more Roundup. And it sometimes these weeds look um, overwhelming, but all you got to do is, you know, be a little clever, do it correctly, do it in a cool time of day, and take your time. Be patient. You can't just yank at the thing. You got to pull slowly and get as much of the roots out as possible. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I'll see. I'll get like I used to have a a gallon tank with a long spray nozzle. Right. Uh, so I think that'll because I need one anyway for cleaning. Well, just be sure that you can, uh, you know, hit the weed while making minimal contact with the plant. Right. Yeah. No. I, that, yeah. For sure. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, Vic. You take care, and I'm jealous of the weather you're experiencing. It's, it, it, yeah, no, you should be. It really should be. <laughs> Rub it and twist the knife. All right, Vic, you take care. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs.
bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that after a multi-year COVID shutdown lapse, I will once again be hitting the road. Specifically, I'll tickle your gardening fancy at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Wilkesboro on Saturday, February 4th. Hey, that's coming up soon. More details next week. I'm your traveling man, Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, meaning they still haven't caught on to me up on that second floor. It's amazing. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk about gardening for the differently abled which includes all of us who are not as young as we used to be. And we don't like bending over. So lots of tips, tricks, and techniques um, to make gardening more friendly to, as our uh, listener writes in her question, for the body you have now. Can we get a trade in? Anyway, before that, lots more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Janine, help us out. Save us. How are you, Janine? Oh, I'm good, thanks. And where is Janine good? Um, I live in Easton. Okay, Easton, Pennsylvania. Not far from here. Well, what can we do nope. you for? Um, so I had a lot of plants that were doing really well in my sunroom over the summer. Mm-hmm. And as it got cold, I started bringing them in, and they were fine. But then no, once no, he no, 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 I'm going to stop you right there. Um, was the sunroom open and exposed to the weather? Um, no, it's closed. It has windows. It's, yeah, it's closed. So what did you bring them into? My dining room. Oh, Okay, that's interesting. Proceed. Okay. Um, so I brought them in, and they were fine. And then once we put the heat on, they started to get really droopy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how to bring them back. Why did they not stay in the sunroom? Did you have spilkas? You got to move stuff around? 
No, it just gets really cold in there at night. It's not heated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, how many plants are we talking about that are um, unhappy? Um, like several, several. Like a, yeah, like eight. Oh, okay. Seven. Yeah, that's more than several. That's like a baseball team minus the pitcher. Uh, <laughs> so, what kind of heat you got? Oh, that's a good question. Electric? So you got electric baseboard heat. Yes. Do you know if um, the oil burner, whatever, um, Mm -hmm. no, oil burner wouldn't feed electric. Electric feeds electric. Um, Do you know if there's a humidifier attached to it at all? I have no idea. Okay. Well, I think you're in, the only problem here is your indoor air is too dry. Now, um, how often do you water your plants? How do you water your plants? Um, about weekly, and then maybe twice a week I spray them with water. Okay. That's a very good idea. Maybe more than weekly. Well, the easiest way to judge the water needs of a potted plant are to actually rock the pot. If the pot feel oh. if the pot feels heavy, the soil is still saturated with water. If the pot feels alarmingly light, no matter how much time has passed or not passed in between, it's dry as a bone. So the best way <clears throat> so the best way to give these plants a a kind of a recovery shot is to take them one by one to the kitchen sink, uh, put a couple inches of water in the kitchen sink, and let them sit there for an hour. Feel the weight when you put them in, and then feel the weight when you put them on the drain board. If they felt light going in, they might have even rocked in the water until they could pull up enough from the drainage holes underneath, and then they feel heavy, boom, that's it. They're drying out in the indoor air of winter. Before I turned my um, personal humidifiers on, uh, both for myself and for the health of my plants, the indoor humidity in my house was around 30, uh, 30%. And that's the temperature at which you can rub your feet on a carpet and then taser somebody else in the room just by touching their sweater. <laughs> and it can be really difficult. To, what, what kind of containers are they in? Mostly ceramic. A glaze? No, not ceramic. Terracotta? No, sorry, not ceramic. Terracotta. Yeah, ah, terracotta. see, that's the worst. Terracotta... Oh. <laughs> Well, terracotta is beautiful, but it is porous. It wicks its moisture into the air. So once you fill up the soil um, to fully saturated, the terracotta releases that moisture into the air to try to humidify your home. So really, I think um, in that room, you find a safe place uh, to put a humidifier. One thing I've learned over the years Buy a humidifier that you fill from the top, not one you have to unscrew and turn upside down. And keep it going. Almost any modern humidifier will show you the relative humidity. 
Once you get up around 45%, the plants should be very happy. 50% is ideal, but you don't want to go over that because um, you don't want your house to get too moist. But I can tell you that's not going to mm -hmm. happen. Electric heat is very dry heat, unfortunately. And there's not a lot of, you can do about it at the source. For instance, if you had radiators, you could put dishes of water on top of them, and that's the non-electric uh, way to humidify the air. And keep the containers as far away from the heat sources as you can. And until you get that indoor humidity up, you can mist these plants twice a day. They love it. And it'll help keep spider mites away. It'll help keep them humidified until you can uh, reconcile the indoor air. You will feel better uh, breathing in air that isn't too dry in the wintertime. Uh, that's when you get the coughs and everything like that because your mucous membranes are drying out as well. So I think the answer here is misting, humidification, and everybody will go home happy. Okay, great. Thanks. All right. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you. And you take care, and bye-bye. Uh, All right, bye, Mike. Seven. down there and she'd go out in the evenings and pick her a mess of it cat home and cook it for supper and if she had any leftovers she'd dry it out and smoke it but she did all right show at 888-492-9444. Casey, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, how are you? I'm just ducky, Casey. How are you doing? I'm just wonderful. Oh, just wonderful. Well, and <laughs> where is Casey wonderful? Central Pennsylvania. 
State College or someplace else? Uh, near State College, but Lock Haven, actually. Oh, okay. That's a really nice little area up there. It's quite beautiful. I love it here. Yeah. All right. What can we do you for? So I, um, my partner has been taking care of some trees that he got at Tractor Supply. They're citrus trees. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I'm not sure how they've made it this far. They're about two years old now right. um, and are really growing like crazy, mm-hmm. uh, especially over the summer. So uh, he brought them inside uh, for the winter because obviously citrus trees can't live outside in the winter uh, in central PA. And I noticed that they had some spider mites on them. And so obviously I was freaking out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we have dogs, and so I didn't want him to spray anything on them that he would have used outside. So we're just kind of wondering what we can do to make those go away. Um, right now, he's uh, like vacuuming them, and they just finished blooming again. Oh, that's so great. I didn't, yeah, so I didn't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, no. If now, maybe they'll go away. No. <clears throat> now, um, these are Meyer lemons, right? The famous dwarf lemon uh, plants yes. that really yes. produce There's well. Actually, There's actually th- three different trees. So we have a, a lime tree, a Meyer lemon, and then the other one I think is a navel orange. Okay. Well, good luck with the orange. <laughs> It's growing, and that's the one that was actually blossoming the best, but okay. no, no produce yet. But you got uh, you got the flowers on the lemon tree, which yes. might be the best natural scent for your house in existence. Oh, oh, it was beautiful un- until I found spider the spider mites on them. <laughs> spider mites, spider mites. Um, now, how are you diagnosing this pestiferous creature? Um, just like looking at it. So I, I guess I don't actually know that that's what they are, but they're like little red, tiny, tiny bugs. Is it? And also they, they there are like webs on there, but. Right. Do they have little costumes on as well? I I wish. And then maybe I'd let the dogs go near it. They could become super dogs, but. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, yes, the webs. And the combination of small mite-like creatures um, are a good sign that you do have spider mites. Now, if you want to just have some fun, get a magnifying glass and make sure they have eight legs instead of six. Because like Spider-Man, they are arachnids and not insects. So what's the humidity, what's the humidity like in your house? Um, I mean, I think right now it's probably, it's probably normal. Uh, we, at some point in the winter, we usually do turn on a, like a humidifier to add some moisture to the air, but we don't have that going yet. Okay. You need to get it going. Okay. Spider mites are creatures that thrive in dry environments, uh, but they can't stand Um, A normal relative humidity of around, you know, let's say 48 to 52 percent. One of the things I've done um, to help my house plants enjoy the winter more is to put a humidifier out in my plant room. And they really love it. And it makes me not worry so much about watering because I know that the environment 
is moist and they can go longer without a watering. So the first thing I would suggest you do, um, uh, uh, as we as we record this um, way before it's going to air because we're taking Christmas and everything off, um, I don't see any warm weather coming up. How how big is the tree and how do you move it inside? Does it just get carried? Yes, it gets carried, but uh, it takes two of us to carry them all at this point because they are pretty large large pots. I'm going to suggest for the future you look at dollies, little round dollies with wheels on them. Um, and you know, unless you want to see a chiropractor for the rest of your life. <laughs> we actually we do have them on those in the house to make them a little bit easier to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they we need to upgrade, I think, because they they really grew a lot over the summer. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, so what you and your partner need to do, uh, do you have a bathtub or shower? What's your human cleansing yes. station? We have both. You have both. Well, I would take this puppy to the bathtub, sit okay. it in the bathtub and get, you know, what would work great is a super soaker. And, okay. you know, wait till the flowers are done because the flowers will blow off. But once the flowers have faded and the little fruits start to form, you want to blast that thing with just straight water. You don't need any kind of poisons or even any kind of organic techniques. Just straight water. That's going to do two things. It's going to knock most of the mites off, and then they go down the drain. And it's going to start the humidification process. So I would urge you to get that humidifier going. I've had mine going for a couple of weeks now. And not only will that limit or perhaps eliminate uh, the spider mite problem, but you won't be able to take revenge on your partner by rubbing your feet on the floor and touching his sweater. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry to take that away from you, but, you know. Yeah, I guess we have to take what we can get, right? Yeah, but you can go out and buy a little taser or something. (laughs) You can get anything on Amazon these days. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) Be careful. Um, Kids, don't try this at home. Um, So that's it. That's really it. Um, Keeping the air nice and moist. Um, Don't overwater the plant, but don't let it dry out. And if they start to come back, just use a regular size mister um, to mist the leaves on a regular basis. Every plant loves that over the winter, and the the mites can't stand it. It's one of the easiest remedies in the gardening world. Excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to speak with you. It was wonderful speaking with you as well. Okay. Um, Have a good season, and bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that my intern of two years is moving on. And so I am looking for a new one. This is a relatively light work, paid position with flexible hours. You'll need your own transportation, and the closer you are to the Lehigh Valley, the better. Send a brief email to get started. Be sure to write intern in the subject line 
and send it to YBYG at WLVT.org. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are in the stretch right now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will get to tips, tricks, and advice to make gardening easier for the differently abled and all of us who are not as young as we were when we decided to start gardening. I know you don't want I know you don't want to miss that. So just a couple more of your fabulous phone calls. We we're losing it. Laura, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks, Mike. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm calling from sunny Seattle, Washington. Okay, so it is sunny right now? Yes, for the moment. <laughs> it won't last long. Can you see the mountain? I can see the mountains, yeah. I face, we face the Olympics. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what can we do you for? Uh, my question is about uh, leaf vacuum mulchers. Mm-hmm. So I've been listening to your podcast for years, um, and you recommend them as a way to improve uh, the garden. And I bought one a few years ago. And every time I try to use it, uh, the leaves are always wet because, as you can imagine, we get a lot of moisture here and mm-hmm. nothing ever really dries out in the fall. And it clogs all the time. And I'm, I'm unplugging it and sticking my hand in, which doesn't feel like a good choice, uh, you know, with a blade and all. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a different alternative for those of us who live in uh, moisture climates uh, that we can achieve the same effect. Well, Laura, at least you know enough to unplug it before you send your hand down into there. <laughs> I have uh, I have an intern who helps with my garden, and she carries a variety of sticks in her back pocket to clear the tube. But it is it's a pain. Do you have a lawn? Uh, we do, yes. Okay. Do you have your own lawnmower? Yes. Is it a bagging mower? It is. And do you treat your lawn with any kind of uh, insecticide or fertilizers? Nope. Um, we don't We don't put anything on it but the clippings, per your advice. Okay. So my first suggestion is that you rake as many of your leaves onto the lawn as possible and then mow over them. Because obviously okay. the lawnmower blades are going to be much sharper. And something we don't talk about enough on the show, you're really supposed to get your blades sharpened or replace the blades on your lawnmower every year. They will tear through um, your leaves. 
And the best um, part of this is now you've got a mixture of mostly shredded dry leaves with a little bit of nitrogen-rich lawn clippings mixed in. So that combination, combo, whoa, I'm inventing lots of new words today. <laughs> oh, that combination just gets to me. That combination makes perfect compost. The grass clippings heat things up and the leaves just go with it. And especially in a climate like yours, you would get really good quality compost super fast. Bag it after that? For what? Or, or move it to the compost bin? Yeah. Yeah. You would have your bagging attachment on. You would empty it into your compost bin. Then do you have a driveway? Uh, no, we do not. Okay. As I was going to say, if you did, you could rake some leaves over there and run them over with the lawnmower. But if you... Oh, nope. Yeah. If you just... We're, we're on a hill, Mike. Okay. We, we have a lot of rocks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, then you better replace your lawnmower blade every year. <laughs> so you can keep doing this. Uh, the second time around, raise the height on your lawnmower so you're missing the grass but getting the leaves... And that can be your shredded leaf mulch for your gardens. Ah, okay, genius. Yeah, well. Thank you, Mike. That's why I'm here. And the nice thing about <laughs> this is you already got all the stuff. You don't have to go out and buy anything else. Okay. Should I give away then my leaf mulcher? No. <laughs> Someone um, in a less wet climate? <laughs> it's a plug-in. It's an electrical cord. It is, yes. See, all of my stuff is rechargeable now. And when I'm out there shredding leaves, I just pray for the battery to drain so I can go inside and, and get hot cocoa. <laughs> but, um, geez, I don't know. There may be a time when you want to use the blower attachment. You know, I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't get rid of it, um, but I would tell it, it it's not loved much longer. It's, uh, <laughs> you know. It's it's not your favorite tool around the, the yard and the landscape. I don't think I have to come up with anything else. I think the lawnmower is the perfect solution. That's a great idea. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it and love your show. Oh, thank you so much. And it's my pleasure. Bye-bye. Have a good one. As always, it is time for the question of the week which we are calling Gardening for the Differently Abled and all of us who are simply getting less young. Julianne in Glenside, PA, writes, I'd love to hear your tips, tricks, and advice for people who love to garden but have to contend with physical disabilities or limitations. I'm only in my 30s, but I've had a lot of health problems this year, including a broken foot and I'm not fully back up to speed in the garden. But gardening is so important to my mental health. Hey, it's important to all of our mental health is. Julianne continues, I'm sure there are people of all ages with a variety of physical issues that would love to hear how to garden in the body they have right now. Well, this topic is so important that I actually devoted an entire talk on it for some of my personal appearances advise the creators of a planned community garden on how to make sure the result would be ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, compliant, 
and designed a small-scale working garden for a facility whose residents had physical limitations. So let's head to straight to bullet point time. Wide lanes. The walking paths in my garden installed when I was in my 30s are much too small to accommodate a wheelchair or a walker. Heck, they can barely accommodate me. Luckily, half of the old original beds were framed with local field stone. And we, my helper and I, mostly my helper, are slowly repositioning those stones inward to make the beds a bit smaller and walking easier. Balance. I do not want to fall on uneven ground. I don't even want to fall on even ground. So with the aid of my helper, we are tamping down the uneven areas. Okay, the helper does the tamping. I stand there and say, hey, hey, you missed a spot over here. Garden grab bars. These can be ornamental or just pipes hammered into select areas of the garden in case you feel unsteady. If you have or can create a vertical garden up against a sturdy wall or fence that faces south or east, consider installing real bathroom-style grab bars to help you get down a little lower and get back up without calling out for help. I hate that part. Grow up. Install tall growing perennials in flat earth areas and raised beds that are of, quote, normal height, so the flowers will be up where you want them. Trellis anything you can, like pole beans, indeterminate tomatoes, they're the ones that keep on growing, and cucumbers for easy picking and no bending. That no bending part is crucial. If you find yourself beginning to bend, stop immediately and rethink the chore. As with envelopes with photos inside, do not bend might make a nice little sign for your garden. Tabletop gardening. Do you have a nice flat patio or other outdoor space with full sun? Get some of them big white folding tables or even better picnic tables and arrange good-sized planters around the edges of those tables. Now, if you buy the tables new, make sure that they will be assembled and installed on site. Use these containers to grow flowers, herbs, well-behaved pepper plants, and determinate tomato varieties that specifically define themselves as bush or dwarf. That means they ain't going to get too big. Don't ever stoop to the level of your weeds. Water. There are many devices that do the job of dispatching unwanted plants while you remain standing, like the water-powered weeder, a long spike that you attach to your garden hose, shove into the soil, press the trigger, and it floods the weed up and out of the soil. Or fire. My favorite stand-up weed killer is a propane-powered, quote, flame weeder. My preferred model was introduced by burns decades ago. It's a simple shepherd's hook design. You attach a small camp stove-sized propane bottle on the short end, 
turn a dial to release the gas, and click the automatic igniter that shoots an adjustable flame at the weeds you wish to kill by dehydration or burn to a crisp because this weed has gotten personal with you. Note, there are many other styles out there. I advise you to stick to the shepherd hook design. The original name of this fabulous device was the Burnsomatic Yard and Garden Torch. Additional resources. One of the best sites I found online is produced by the Victoria State Government Department of Health in conjunction with the Horticultural Therapy Association of Victoria. Yes, that means this advice is from Australia, but every word is relevant to us in the U.S. and many other countries. They cover a lot of great ideas I didn't have room to mention today and have an audio link for the vision impaired. We'll put the link up when we post this question at the Gardens Alive website. Money and labor. Yes, the elephants in the room. Any enterprise like this is going to require some amount of initial investment. If you can't afford it, reach out to your city, state, or municipality to see if they can subsidize some or all of the project. Note, there are many ADA-sponsored projects, but they seem to be limited to schools and community gardens. Labor. If you can't afford to hire a part-time helper, contact your local Girl Scout and or Boy Scout organizations. Making a garden handicapped accessible would be a great Eagle Scout or Gold Star project. Gold Star is the Girl Scout version of Eagle Scout. Well, that sure was some interesting information about gardening for the differently abled, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be chanted to the skies, youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to steal my winter supply of ice melt if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse of a message teeming towards our garden shores at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please include your location. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you strongly, well, weekly it says, from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when he fell into the La Brea tar pits while trying to steal an Apple Watch 
from a time-traveling, saber-toothed tiger. And all he got was all messy. Ken Queter is our musical director. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page and send us pictures. Pictures of your indoor plants, pictures of last year's garden. Wake up out there. You can't be in a turkey tryptophan coma forever. Teresa Radke is our peerless princess of profound production. The always lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Special thanks, as always, to our beloved band of Carney's fortune tellers and card sharks, including Zach the Tack, Jacob Morris, Carlin Canfield, and anybody else who's hiding out in the control room. Our beloved and bedraggled CEO Tim Fowler is investigating public broadcasting opportunities in Key West while amassing an excellent collection of tiny little umbrellas. I'm your frozen host, Mike McGrath, and I'll be warming my hands over my compost piles until I can see you again next week. I'm freezing in here, Charlie. Charlie, bang on the pipes. Maybe they'll send up a little steam. Zach, go steal the coal from Tim's Christmas stocking. That should keep us going for a good month or so.